You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Broncos Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, the Denver Gazette, my good friend Nick Ferguson. Nick, how's your Thursday going? My Thursday's going spectacular, George. I woke up this morning. How about yourself? I woke up this morning, too. I'm not sore anymore from playing basketball. I took the day off on Wednesday uh, and decided to do nothing except for go to practice. So that's what I did. Uh, but uh, I, I feel great. So, uh, Nick, let's let's dive into to some big topics because we got, we got a lot of them this week uh, leaning into this game. And I know when you look at this matchup between the Cardinals 4-9 and nine and the Broncos 3-10, and 10, you might not think – uh, it's that interesting, and it probably isn't to a lot of people outside of maybe these two teams. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, stuff going on with the Broncos right now. When you talk about Russell Wilson's injury, uh, I thought Nathaniel Hackett's comments yesterday were, were kind of interesting in the sense of how this decision is going to be made on if he's going to play on Sunday, saying it's going to be an organizational decision, Nick. Uh, just what what are your thoughts on Russell? It looked like he's he was out there yesterday. I think he's in maybe phase three of the concussion protocol, uh, which means he would be on track to, to possibly be cleared by the end of the week. Well, this is a very interesting uh, situation. And, he, and even hearing the comments that it's going to be an organizational decision, I thought, wait a minute. I mean, with the NFL rule changes, especially after what we saw on Thursday night against uh, with Tua Tagovailoa against the Cincinnati Bengals, it wasn't really up to the organization. It was up to the team specialists and the independent neurologists who were going to determine whether a concussed player was going to be able to come back. And I know there are certain protocols, but visually what we saw was a little disturbing. And, and I know, hey, the Broncos want to end on a good note, but I still don't think that Russell Wilson should play in Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals, despite them being, you know, four and nine. Well, and I think what he meant by organizational decision is, I mean, obviously he has to be cleared medically first. Uh, he has to pass the concussion protocol, which, again, it, it would appear that he's on pace to do so. He's already at phase three. I mean, yesterday he partook in, in some individual drills. I think what he means by organizational decision is we're not just thinking about this game. We're thinking about the future, if that makes sense. Like it's going to be Greg Pinner, George Payton. They're going to also be – helping make this decision, which tells me that it might lean towards we're not going to play him because it's for the better of his health or safety, not only this year, but going forward. If that, I think that's what he meant by that. Yeah, but George, if that is the case, you don't need uh, that many people to kind of make that decision. And if you do, obviously go back, watch the film of the facial expression that we saw as uh, Russell Wilson lie on that field. 
you, you can see it right there. All his mental faculties were not there. Once he got up, things started to come back to him, but he was still a little wobbly and he had to be helped off the field later on. He had to be moved from the blue tent to the locker room and then ruled out. To me, if you know that though that you invested a lot of money into Russell Wilson, which this group has, so why not just get, just call it now? I mean, what, what do you have to lose? I mean, we're not at the stage of the game where we're trying to play cloak and dagger with the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, we want to make them think that Brett Rippon may or may not play. No, let's just go ahead and say, just call it. Russell's not going to play. Even if he plays next week, he's not going to play this week. This way you give Brett Rippon in the offense all the time it needs to work moving forward together on a cohesive game plan instead of saying, well, Russell might play. And known as though both Brett Rippon and Russell Wilson are two different players. So to me, you make it easy on the coaching staff, but you make it easy on Brett Rippon and his preparation as well. Yeah, but I, I'm, but I think – though nick that they're they're going to do that i just think that they're gonna let like try and get him to pass concussion protocol anyways like i mean you still he still has to nick he still has to pass concussion protocol even if he's not going to play like you've got to have the guy try and like get back to normal if, if that makes sense i'm just saying that i don't think they're going to announce it i mean maybe they should just come out and say hey russell's not going to play but that's just not how they roll like they've not done that all year i think it's gonna be a very similar situation to what they did earlier this year with the hand, I think it was the hamstring or shoulder or whatever it was against the Jets, where we didn't know all the way till Saturday and then they ruled them out. Like I and I think that was the plan all along. I think that's just how they're gonna do it again this week. I, I just think I think they understand the severity of it. Like I don't think they're like, oh, like if Russell plays on Sunday, I would be shocked. And honestly, Nick, I'd be a little bit disappointed because I don't understand I it would make no sense to me to play him. And I think the Broncos know that. And I think that's what Hackett was sort of indicating yesterday, that it's not really going to be Russell's decision. Because if it's Russell's decision, he's going to play on Sunday. Right. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I just – look, the, the reality is they're not going to come out and say, oh, he's, he's not playing. But I can also tell you, Brett got all the reps yesterday. I think he's going to get all the reps again today. And I would assume he gets all the first-team reps on Friday. Because even if somehow Russell plays, I think they know that he doesn't need to get the reps. Uh, and practice, or at least Russell doesn't think he needs to get the, get the reps in practice. So I don't know what it's going to look like, Nick. I'm going to, I'm assuming that Brett's going to play, um, which I think is, is the right. God, these cars, man, going right by my apartment. Um, anyways, I think Brett's going to play, Nick. I think he is going to start on Sunday. So, so what are the keys for Brett uh, going into this game? We saw him against the Jets. It wasn't great. He did some nice things here and there. They obviously lost to the Jets 16 to 9. Uh, that Jets defense was much better than this Cardinals defense he's going up against. But what are you looking for from Brett this Sunday? Well, I'm just looking for Brett to just go out and e execute. I mean, that's basically it. Uh, with him going out in the game on Sunday against the Chiefs in a tough situation, and with everything that happened on that possession, the Broncos were moving backwards instead of forwards. And he was still able to make that throw on fourth and seven. That's a high pressure situation. Knowing as though you're coming in cold and you're having to deliver a pass like that to uh, Jerry Judy. So I can only imagine what was on Brett, Brett Rippon's mind at that time. But he gets a full week of practice. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be able to put a game plan uh, in according to the skill set from what he was able to do. And then going back to that Jets game, breaking that down and saying, hey, listen, these are some of the things that you did well, so we want to make sure that we feature those. But look at the mistakes that you made. We cannot make these kind of error throws 
hold on to the ball too long. But also another thing for Brett Rippon, he's put in a difficult spot because now we're still talking about the offensive line, how that offensive line, you know, has been somewhat of a makeshift offensive line and the pressure that Russell Wilson has been under. I mean, Brett Rippon is probably going to be under that same amount of duress, but can he escape the pocket and then get those uh, positive yards that Russell was able to get against the Kansas City Chiefs? So, but we just have to see what happens with uh, Brett Rippon. But uh, trust me, man, I don't envy him uh, on Sunday. Yeah, last game uh, when, when Rippon started, 24-46, 225 yards, one interception. Uh, he was sacked only one time uh, against the Jets. And then against Kansas City, four of eight, uh, 16 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So not great, Nick, but I don't think that this Cardinals defense um, – is maybe as good uh, as as those two previous teams that he's played. Um, but, again, you, you want to see him do some different things. It's going to be tough, right? I mean, you look at his wide receiver group. Uh, you got Jerry Judy, who's playing great. Um, you know, shout out him. He's, he's doing really well. I'm sure he'll get a ton of targets on Sunday. But after that, you're talking about a group that's pretty inexperienced, um, haven't played a ton, and now all of a sudden they have to play with a backup that they probably don't have a ton of reps with um so that's going to be tough and then you talk about an offensive line nick that again is going to have a, a new group probably right i mean who's going to play lf guard is dalton reisner going to be back um you know is, is uh you know who's going to play at left and right tackle are they going to keep it the same you know it, it's it's a kind of a mixed group again so it's gonna be really tough the positive for brett is he's playing another backup quarterback uh, it's the battle of the backups, right? Colt McCoy. And yes. while I would probably rather have Colt McCoy because Colt, I have Colt's stats here too in his career. I mean, he's been in the NFL uh, a long time. Uh, I believe he started how many games since he started in his career here? 35 games. So obviously he's very experienced, played in 55. Uh, it's been a long time backup. So he, I, you know, I'd rather have Colt McCoy in this game, but also Colt McCoy is going up against a really good defense in the Broncos, whereas Brett kind of gets a break going up against the Cardinals defense, which is statistically just not anywhere near uh, the top of the league. Well, here's something interesting that you brought up. And even though Brett doesn't have as much uh, playing experience as uh, your, your good buddy, Colt McCoy, uh, here's what he, he does have. With him being the uh, second quarterback, he gets a chance to face the Broncos defense in practice, right? And hopefully he's learned a lot from the mistakes he's made against the top defense in, in, in this NFL, in NFL. So hopefully uh, that helps and benefits him more so than Cole McCoy, because Cole's going to be saying it for the first time. He's watched it on tape. He's watched what they were able to do against uh, Patrick Mahomes last week. And he's going to be thinking, Oh, I'm seeing this pass rush for the first time. And you, you might, and we, we don't, we don't, we're not sure about this. There might be a Randy Gregory sighting. I don't know. And if it is, that uh, that's an added bonus for the defense and the pass rush. So to me, in this backup quarterback battle, because Brett Rippon has had an opportunity to see this Denver defense in practice, I'm going to give him uh, a very slight edge in, in this one. I mean, Colt McCoy gets the advantage because of experience, but more importantly, he's got Hollywood Brown. He has Newt Hopkins. So he has experienced wide receivers that he's been able to somewhat build chemistry with because Kyler Murray has been, you know, on and off the roster. So that's where things are, are going to change. But the great equalizer would be the Denver Broncos defense. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty honestly when you look at it, Nick, it, it feels like a pretty even matchup, um, despite having two backup quarterbacks. It could be an ugly game. Maybe it's a high-scoring game. That'd be kind of fun, right? If Colt McCoy and, and Brett Rippon duel it out, uh, both were great college quarterbacks. You look back at Colt McCoy's career at Texas, obviously was uh, up for the Heisman a couple of years, played in the national championship. Uh, Brett Rippon was obviously a, a guy that that I think had some career stats at, at Boise State. Uh, you know, kind of lit it up there. So I think that it, it it could be a fun game. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, definitely going to be interesting. Here's Nathaniel Hackett, though. We have some audio from him talking kind of, Nick, about what we were just talking about, preparing Brett, uh, the outlook on him, and where he can maybe improve from the last time he started a game for the Broncos. And here's that audio from Broncos.com. Uh, then he comes back in a fourth and seventh situation. And, I mean, that was a dime. I mean, that was an unbelievable throw. I mean, we talk about tight windows in that area, throwing it over a linebacker and delivering it to Jerry. I, I, mean, that, I mean, that is one of the hardest things to do in that situation. So um, I thought that was great by him. Uh, and then from an improvement standpoint is let's get him out in, in practice and, and let's get him uh, back in the groove so that he can go out there and execute. So he, he did a good job at the Jets. There's things that he can correct, and he knows though, that, and uh, we'll see where he goes. Nick, one thing I'm concerned about for Brett, and, and we kind of touched on it briefly uh, a moment ago, is, is that offensive line. Uh, and you look at last week, Russell was sacked, what was it, six times, 11 quarterback hits. Yeah. Uh, you know, they kind of had a rotating situation at left guard. All of a sudden, they lose Natani Mute off the practice squad. Did that surprise you about Mute getting signed off the practice squad? And how concerned are you for uh, this Broncos offensive line this week? Yeah, that 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 shocked me. And going around town uh, this week, it it, it didn't not 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 just upset me, but there are a couple of Broncos uh, country fans were a little thrown off as to why uh, the Broncos actually did that. I mean, when you look at the three man swinging gate between Quinn Bailey, uh, Tony Muti that you just mentioned, and Luke Weidenberg, I mean, the Tony Muti seemed as though he was one of those guys who was uh, doing a great job, at least a decent job. He, I don't believe he gave up a sack uh, when he was uh, in there uh, at that guard position. So now you not only allow the Tani Muti to go to a division rival, you get nothing for him, not a single thing. And I know that, that it's a numbers game where you're trying to figure out which guys on practice squad you're going to keep up, the guys you're going to put down. And I know other teams can raid your roster. But to me, it only weakens a depleted offensive line group and it only um, showcases the lack of depth that the Broncos have, not as from an offensive line group, but just from a guard group. And I know we've been saying it, uh, you know, as of late as far as 2023 is concerned. Hey, the Broncos need to go go out and show up that offensive line. There's so many pieces on this offensive line for George Payton to try to plug and play guys. So that's going to be very difficult for him to do. But this is going to make things difficult for the offense being able to or trying to run the ball against the Cardinals and then Brett Rippon trying to sit behind that offensive line thinking that he's going to have time. And you just mentioned it earlier, when you have Greg Dulcich and you have Jerry Judy as your primary wide receivers, you can expect Vance Joseph to try to take both of those guys out of the game and force Brett to beat them some other way. But uh, allowing the tiny Muti to get out here to the Raiders, man, that was a little disappointing. Yeah, and of all the teams, the Raiders, um, you know, that that kind of stinks, right? I mean, and I thought he played well, man. Like, he came in, the protection was better when he was in there. Obviously, Luke Wattenberg was really, really struggling, uh, and he had to be benched. And, you know, 
Natani Mute and Quinn Bailey kind of rotated there at left guard. And then I think Mute ended up finishing the game out. Um, now, this week, it sounds like Dalton Reisner is going to be back. So maybe they don't have, you know, that big of an issue there this week. But if Dalton Reisner goes down or Quinn Minors goes down, because um, I don't think they have a right guard either, uh, you know, who like who's going in there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can play guard. Um, you know, I played center back in back in high school. But uh, you know, well, and and you know, Lloyd Cushenberry's still on the IR, I believe. Like, I don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, so you really don't have a ton of depth there. Um, I wonder if they sign somebody, you know, to the practice squad and elevate them because they just don't. Because Wattenberg, I, I know Hackett talked about him yesterday and said, "Hey, you know, he, he's a rookie, he made some mistakes, but we still believe in him a lot." I I don't see it right now. Like he he needs another year of development probably uh, before he gets back on the field. And Quinn Bailey is okay, but like Natani Mute, he's played a lot of football. That's why I was surprised he didn't get the start uh, this last week even. But uh, who knows what that Broncos offensive line will look like going forward? Nick, we got to take a break, uh, and then I want to dive into a couple guys uh, that ha- that have met expectations this season for the Broncos um, and have had you know good seasons despite. Uh, the record and, and their guy, their guys that are going to be here uh, for a little bit. So um, we'll talk about that after the break. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, one thing I wanted to do is talk about someone, uh, and really it's somebody that you brought up to my attention. Um, this person continues to meet expectations for this Broncos team uh, despite – uh, like I said previously, the record this year. Um, who is this guy, Nick, and why does he continue to meet expectations for you and for this team? Well, the guy that uh, I want to talk about is Greg Dosage and uh, what he's done in a short period of time. And I know uh, people were just kind of uh, saying a lot of things about him coming out of training camp because it was like, well, hey, you know, the Broncos drafted this guy. They didn't know why they drafted him out of UCLA, what could he really do? And then, you know, we saw him early on in training camp, he get a touchdown, and then all of a sudden he's hurt for an extended period of time. And those question marks was just kind of swirling around, well, what type of player is he? Is he really tough at all? But Greg Dosis has proved that he is a viable weapon for this offense. And it's all about just kind of scheming and trying to get him open. And when they've done that, uh, I mean, he, he's done well. And considering the fact that the Broncos are kind of decimated – 
by injuries uh, when it comes to that wide receiver room. We've seen Greg Dosage involved more than uh, we've seen in uh, early parts of the season. And for me, I want to see more. I want to, there, there's more things that I believe that, that he can do that they can put on his plate that I feel as though he has a football IQ uh, to do that. But, but the emergence of Greg Dosage, uh, in a way, has uh, pretty much overshadowed him and kind of uh, cast a shadow, if, if you will, over Albert Okawebonam, a guy who coming into the season, he was supposed to be the guy. And that was kind of one of the reasons why the Broncos traded Noah Fant and sent him back into Seattle because there was a lot of faith in Albert Okawebonam. But, I mean, as the stock rises for Greg Dosage, it goes down for Albert Okawebonam. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen Albert O even be active for a lot of these games. I believe he was active maybe in Baltimore or maybe it was this week. I can't remember, but it was the first time he was active in a long time. Uh, and he, I don't think he played a snap even when he was active. But Greg's had a great year. Um, I believe it's 28 receptions, 361 yards, and a touchdown this year, Nick, which considering the amount of games he missed too to start the year, that's a really good season for a rookie, right? Um, you want to see him maybe get – a couple more touchdowns here at the end of the year, but um, I'd say that's really solid. He's definitely lived up to expectations. Uh, and we also have audio here, Nick, from uh, Hackett uh, talking about Greg Dulcich. So here's Hackett talking about his growth and his development this season. He's done a great job. Uh, I mean, they've, they've thrown a lot of different things at him throughout the, the year. Week by week, you see so many different things, and I think he's embraced it. We've seen a lot of different defenses, and they have tried to, whether they man him or put a better guy on him or uh, cloud him or all the different things that they do defensively to be able to try to stop him. And uh, he's been able to find some sweet spots, understand where he fits within the zone coverages and beat win versus man coverage. So uh, he's, he's really, I feel like he's really coming along. Nick, what, what, what is it about uh, Dulcich that makes him so hard to cover? And, and, and is he a guy that – because I, I think that a lot of people want him to be um, – you know, obviously these would be really high expectations uh, – to be a, you know, a, a guy like Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or whatever. Can't he get into that type of, uh, of a player? What, what is it that makes him so good, and do you think that that can be maybe his ceiling? I think for me, man, it's his route running, being able to uh, create space with that big body. Uh, and, you know, his hair, too, as well. I don't know if you've ever watched it when he's running the ball. His hair is kind of blowing in the wind, almost like a la, like, like, like Fabio and something. Maybe defenders get kind of hypnotized by his, his long hair. But this guy is uh, great in a vertical passing game. And like Coach Hackett just said, I mean, other teams defensively, they try to take him out. They try to bring a guy down to kind of dram him. And he, he hasn't learned to how to be a crafty tight end in his league as far as using his hands and getting off. So everything that he's doing right now, George, is just on pure talent alone. So just imagine once uh, we get into 2023, he takes everything he learned this year and then becomes a better tight end next year. I mean, it's going to be extraordinary. You mentioned the likes of uh, uh, Mandrews and Travis Kelsey. He has the ability to be that guy because when you look at what Travis Kelsey is, he's a guy that finds a soft spot in the zone. He's not a, a burner when it comes to the tight end position. I feel as though, I don't know his 40 speed, but when you watch him on tape, it looks like Greg Dosage is faster than Travis Kelsey. And then Mark Andrews, man, they just find different ways uh, to get him open. And Greg Roman has done a great job in Baltimore as, as far as putting you know Mark Andrews in great positions uh, for him to succeed. And that's something that uh, I think 
Clint Kubiak, the offensive coordinator now, operating offensive coordinator for the Broncos, he's learning as he goes with Greg Dosage, you know, how can he set him up? How can he put it in position? So it's going to be an interesting week against the Cardinals because when you look at the Broncos' offensive weapon, both Jerry Judy and Greg Dosage now have become those two guys. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Nick. I mean, Greg's going to his, – his duty obviously becomes even higher. His role uh, it becomes larger, right? Um, with, with all these guys out and you can do some different things with them, right? You can split them out. Um, you know, you can have them kind of play like a, a wide receiver position. And like you said, his speed is, is something that I think is, is, you know, top of the league right now in terms of at that position. Um, I think he's one of the faster tight ends in the league. And, and I do think you're right. The route running is what really stands out. Um, so, you know, good for Greg, Greg, Greg's had a good year. Like I said, I, I think that they hope to get him a couple more touchdowns. He's obviously a guy that I think is going to end up being a big red zone target for them moving forward in the next few years. Uh, and that's something they really just haven't had a lot of. Um, and I, I already think that he's going to be better than Noah Fant. And that's no, you know, dig on Noah Fant. I, I just think that Noah's, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a ton of growth at times at the position. I think Greg's going to kind of blossom into a really, really good football player. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch him. Nick, you sent that question about a guy that has maybe met expectations. I've got another one for you. Uh, he's a rookie as well. And I would even argue, considering his first game, he has since exceeded expectations, or at least my expectations. Okay. And that's Damari Mathis. Uh, I think Damari Mathis, I, I know he had the rough game against the Chargers. It was his first, start, first career start in the NFL. I think he had, what, three or four pass interferences in that game. Uh, they were going at him all game. He has been really impressive since then, Nick. And I think that speaks a lot to the kid's character, obviously being able to bounce back. I asked Justin Simmons about him yesterday and said the kid is just a dog, uh, is what he called him. You know, he's, he's physical out there. He doesn't miss tackles. That's what I like about him is he will come off the edge there uh, and come up and make a big tackle. And he's been really good in coverage. Uh, you know, he's not getting beat. You know, I think he's playing really solid football. He's playing tight coverage. He seems like a smart player, right? He's learning on the fly. And to be able to bounce back from that performance and play consistently the way he has, I don't know, man. I've just been super impressed by the kid. Uh, and again, for a guy that, you know, really was drafted to be a special teams player this year and maybe a corner, you know, in a year or two, uh, I again, I couldn't speak more highly of the guy because I think that uh, his role was never supposed to be uh, as big as it is right now. Yeah, this is another thumbs up to uh, uh, Broncos GM George Payton for identifying talent and bringing a guy like Damari Mathis uh, in. And things kind of uh, changed in his favor. You may you may remember in the Buffalo game, in the preseason game, where Michael Jamudia was injured and, you know, Damari Mathis had to come in the game. And it seemed once like once he came in the game, he was able to kind of solidify himself as that guy that, the Broncos can uh, be – he could be a go-to guy because since Damari Mathis has been playing, uh, Michael Jamudia, who was once on IR, I mean, he's been inactive this entire season. And you wonder, okay, well, Michael Jamudia has more experience, but why is it that he hasn't been elevated to an active status? And that's because of Damari Mathis. And you're right. I mean, you go back to the game against the Chargers. It wasn't a great game. And, and I don't agree with all the pass interference calls. But the one thing I love about Damari Mathis, he worked through that situation mentally. I mean, I would see him in practice and the locker room, and I would always talk to him and just tell him, man, you know, those things are going to happen. It happened to all of us 
as rookies and you have to learn to grow from those situations to keep your body in a certain position. I mean, if a, if a wide receiver beats you, which they're going to beat you in this league, I mean, you don't panic. You just run to catch up with that guy. And then at the last second, he shows his hands, turn your head around. Don't, don't try to grab him, attack him. And that's why if you do that, you're going to get those calls. So I've liked the confidence that I've seen uh, the fact of Ronald Darby being out, that's given him more opportunity to get those reps. And you can see which with every single possession, every single game, his confidence has grown of George. And, and once again, just, just think about a lot of these players that uh, George Payton drafted this year that are getting uh, quality playing time, what that's going to do for them uh, next season as well. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't think it's it's as good of a draft class. And again, this is probably a conversation for for the offseason, but it's probably not as good as, as a draft class as the previous year, which I think George Payton won the award for, for best draft class or something like that. Um, and they obviously had, I think, almost every single rookie except for maybe one played the previous year. This year, you still have a lot of guys contributing, though, right? Yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick Benito's role is going to increase with Jacob Martin being out. Um, I think you also are just going to see him play a lot more because it's toward the end of the season. You want to see more from him, but he's still going to play quite a bit. He's going to be a, a key guy going forward. Um, you know, you've got Greg Dulcich that we talked about. Damari Mathis is playing a lot. Um, you know, Matt Henningsen is another guy that we don't ever talk about, but he plays a lot on that defensive line for them. Uh, Delarian Turner Yell, again, not a guy we talk about a ton, but has been a key special teams player. I believe he's on all four special teams units. Well, except for, I don't think he's on field goal, but. Um, you know, he's on kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt team, you know, punt return, all that stuff he's on. He's had a good year. Um, you know, some of the other guys are slipping my mind, but it seems like every single one has had, a, you know, a little bit of a role this year. So, again, George Payton, you might be mad at him about the Russell Wilson trade, which, again, everybody would have done. But the dude knows how to draft good players. At least I, I think he's proven that. Um well well, you know what? So I, I was listening as you were going through the names of uh, this uh, past draft and how those guys have uh, contributed. But uh, I, I was I was hanging on to see if you were going to mention one player, and, and you did not. You didn't mention uh, Luke Widenberg, right? Yep. Yep. Well, <laughs> you didn't mention him and how how well he's playing. Yeah, I mean, and I look. I think they still have hopes for him. But here's my thing with Luke Widenberg, Nick, and I don't know if you saw the same thing. I don't think he's there physically yet. I think they, they drafted him based off of, uh, you know, look, he played, what was it, five or six years of college football, a long time, and was a four-year starter, I believe, at Washington. Really smart player, played center, uh, is versatile, can play some different positions. But he was and, – and this is going to happen, right, when you go up against a guy like Chris Jones, who's played in the league for a long time and is one of the best pass rushers in the league. He just kind of moved him around like a rag doll. Uh, and that kind of tells me he's just not there yet physically. Cause I, I think he knows what he's doing. Like, it's not like he's like messing up plays and he's, he's mentally not understanding what they're trying to do. I think he just had, he was physically outmatched. Uh, and I think we've seen that now a couple times. Cause you look back even to, I think it was the Titans game. He came in and played center. Um, he was physically outmatched then too. So I, I think that that's why, you got to give him a year or two to get physically, you know, um, you know, better. And, and I think you could say that about a lot of the rookies, right? I mean, I think Nick Benito is another example of you can tell he's got a lot of uh, talent, but he's physically, I mean, one, he's just physically smaller at that position than he probably needs to be. 
but he needs to put on some some muscle. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, a bad take. I it just looks like that that's part of the issue right now is a couple of these guys are just not physically there yet. But even even with that being said, there is more of a reason why I go back to what we were talking about earlier with Natani Muti. Knowing as though you have Luke Wagenberg, who is not as experienced, he doesn't have that upper body strength, and he seems to be thrown around like he's a rag doll. To me, this is why you want to do everything you can to keep uh, Natani Muti. Now, if that meant that you lost maybe a wide receiver or running back, hey, so be it. But this is another reason why, you know, I don't envy Brett Rippon if he is, and he should be the starter against Arizona. But also another reason why I would not, I would not with these last four games, trust Russell Wilson behind this offensive line, knowing as though Luke Widenberg lacks the strength. Like you said, he's a smart guy. The problem is not him knowing his assignment. Is being able to execute it, and that was one of the words of the year uh, by Nathaniel Hackett. It was execution and knowing how to finish. Right now, I don't know if I would want to be behind that Broncos offensive line, knowing as though Luke Wattenberg was being tasked with the responsibility of protecting me. So how about you, George? Would you want to be the Broncos uh, quarterback, knowing as though you have Luke Wattenberg to protect your blind side? I don't think I'd ever want to be the Broncos starting quarterback. Um, they pay a lot of money. Yeah, to like get hit a lot, uh, especially <laughs> this year. I mean, we talked about it. Russell Wilson leads the league in, in getting sacked this season, um, which is just – and he's on pace to have the most in his career, which you look back, part of the reason he wanted to leave to Seattle was he's getting sacked yeah. too much. He's getting sacked too much in Denver. So they got, they got to look at revamping that entire offensive line, in my opinion, this offseason. And – you mentioned it. It's interesting they get rid of Natani Mute. From my understanding, he was the strongest guy in that locker room across Damn. the board. The strongest guy. Uh, and he ends up leaving uh, for, for the Raiders. So, Nick, we still got a lot to get into in this last, last segment. Uh, let's take a break, and then we'll dive into some Randy Gregory talk. Maybe he's back this week. We'll talk about a little bit of the matchups. And also, what's the outlook for these last four games? You know, sitting at 3-10, and 10, uh, what's the motivation for a lot of these guys in these last four games? Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody. Welcome back from that quick break. Uh, Nick, we talked about some injury stuff. One positive injury note, which, again, not a lot this year for the Broncos in terms of positive injury news, is Randy Gregory uh, looks like he is going to be back this week possibly he's out practicing his 21 day clock to return to the field has started and he talked to the media yesterday and basically implied that his his intentions are to play uh on sunday are, nick first off are you surprised by this and second if you're um let's say randy gregory's agent or the gm of the broncos are you getting in randy's ear and saying hey man let's not let's not push this let's not uh Let's not play on Sunday just because, you know, the knee, you don't want to get injured, all that stuff. Are, you know, are you trying to get him to maybe reconsider playing this week? First of all, I'm not surprised by Randy Gregory saying, hey, man, you know, I want to be out there with my guys. Uh, when, when you go through training camp with guys and, and you see guys going down, you want to get out there, you want to battle with them. But also you have to be realistic about uh, the situation. Where the Broncos are here at three and ten, hoping to win against Arizona's four and nine, 
you're hoping to give more of the younger players an opportunity to kind of showcase what they can do. And right now, I, I get it. You know, Randy Gregory was brought here in the offseason, just like Russell Wilson. And I'm sure he's heard all the noise, too, as well. Well, Randy had a prior injury history. The Broncos shouldn't have signed him. Now they get him here, and then he has a knee injury. Oh, he was only supposed to be out for four weeks, but then now it's lasted longer than that. And that's the reason why I don't think that Randy Gregory should play. I get the idea of wanting to play. I, too, have been in that situation, and I stupidly played, and I shouldn't have played. But at the same time, you have to think about, you know, your career long term. And just like Russell, the team has paid Randy a significant amount of money, and they are really leaning on those two guys to be leaders on both offense and defense. So why push it? Why get out there? What do you have to prove? The team is not in the playoffs. And I can see if the team was pushing for the last playoff position and they needed all hands on deck. Yeah, it makes sense. But that's not the case. So why go out there, run a risk of hurting the same knee or something else just for what? Pride purposes, nah, they know you can play. They've seen what you can do. Don't go out there. Don't push it. That That's what I would tell Randy at this point. I think it's the same argument as Russell Wilson, right, Nick? Um, you know, look, this is a long-term investment in these guys, right? Uh, Randy was a, a, what, five-year, $70 million deal. And, and, and he's a guy that's supposed to be here for a long time. And, and look, yeah, this year has been disappointing for him because, um, you know, there was a lot of talk when they signed him, like, Oh, he's a really good player, but uh, he has a lot of injury history. And what happens four games in? He gets a knee issue, right? It's like, oh, well, that was probably pretty predictable. Uh, and so I think it's a personal thing for Randy where he's like, ah, I want to prove uh, that, you know, I, I can play and that I want to help my team and that I'm here for the team, which is great, right? I, I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, you're three and 10, man. You're three and 10. And this is not about this year anymore. It's about long term. It's about next year. It's about two years from now, three years from now. And that's when you want him to be at his best. And if he goes out there and he gets hit wrong the wrong way or he tweaks it a little bit, all of a sudden you're looking at maybe missing the start of next season. Uh, and that's the same argument with Russell. It's like, man, if you take the wrong hit, which you've taken a lot of them this year, uh, all of a sudden you're missing you know, an important offseason and possibly start of next season. So I just don't – I don't – I wouldn't play him either. But, again, you get some of these guys, they're super competitive. Like you said, Nick you know, you did it once in your career where you probably shouldn't have, you get these guys who are the most competitive guys in the world. I think sometimes we forget that these are some of the most competitive people in our world. Uh, they want to play and it's tough to keep them off the field. And I think it's gonna be tough to keep Randy off the field. Yeah, it is. I mean, and just think about it. I wasn't paid as much money as Russell and Randy and I still went out there. So uh, with that money being an incentive and what the, when you, when you're paid a certain amount of um zeros commas i mean it, it only escalates the conversation about your injury history knowing as though this is a physical game guys get injured guys get tagged as being injury prone and it can happen at any particular moment i mean you can be taking a shower right get out of the shower and slip have a slip and fall and then oh he's injury prone and that injury did not take place on the football field so for me it's all all about Aaron on the side of caution. What do you have to prove, right? I know you want to be out there. I know you want to find a way to silence your critics because let's be totally honest, let's fast forward to uh, 2023 as when the season ends and everyone's talking about, 
Okay, what's, what are the next moves for the Broncos? Oh, by the way, the Broncos signed Randy Gregory, and he got an injury maybe in week four, week five, and didn't really come back at all. So what should the Broncos do with him? Should they part ways with him? Should they ask him to take a pay cut? So I, I, I get all the added uh, kind of criticism forcing players to go out there, but the Broncos are in a situation where it's a lose-lose situation. And why add to that, go out there, the team isn't playing well, and then you suffer another injury that keeps you out going into the offseason. To me, makes absolutely no sense. Well, Nick, that kind of leads me to my next question, and we'll touch on this briefly, and then we'll get to some 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 predictions here for the game this weekend. But you talk about how many injuries they've had this year. Obviously, the season hasn't gone the way they wanted. What is the outlook for these last four games from a perspective of, you want to win, right? Obviously, you want to go out on a high note. You know, they don't have a first-round draft pick, so losing doesn't do you any good. You don't even have a second-round draft pick that would also do you any good if you lost, right? You could maybe get a higher pick in the second round. But what, what do you, what are you looking for these last four games? And especially considering, you know, a lot of these guys, I think that if, if you had the choice, Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, Russell Wilson, Randy Gregory, maybe don't play in those games because you want to get healthy. But what is the outlook? for these guys in these final four games, despite the season being uh, as bad as it's been? Well, it's unfortunate that Russell Wilson got injured and hopefully he doesn't play on Sunday. But to me, this is a perfect opportunity for the organization to treat these last four games uh, like it's preseason. You have so many young guys on the roster that you can get them viable uh, playing time against elite competition. So it's a little different from a preseason instead of, playing against, uh, you know, twos and threes, you're going to be playing against ones. But once again, think about how much is going to work for the Broncos as they go into the offseason, having to reevaluate this roster, knowing as though they have 24 unrestricted free agents they're going to have to deal with. This is an opportunity that's staring the team in the face. Yeah, you want to end on a positive note. You want to win a couple of ball games to give the fans something to cheer about. But guess what? You still can still win even when you lose because – Getting these young players that all-important playing time against other starters, it is only going to jumpstart 2023. It's going to make that next year preseason that much better, the beginning of the regular season that much better because all these guys are, you know, they're going to have their disappointments like Luke Wattenberg we talked about. He's getting his butt kicked right now. Hopefully next year that's going to inspire him to be much better than he is at this current time. So, this is what I would like the Broncos to do. Treat these last four games like preseason. Yeah, and I think they will in terms of evaluations and and uh, trying to see what guys you, you want to bring back next year. You know, I thought Justin Simmons had a really interesting quote, Nick, because he was asked this, you know, yesterday about what's the motivation, you know, these last four games when, when you know you're eliminated from the playoffs, you have a losing record, uh, things haven't gone your way, injuries, all that stuff. And he said, you know, this is when – um, you see guys really play for the love of the game. Like if you really love the game, uh, then you play hard these last few games and it means something to you. And he goes, that's that's what you want to see from, especially a lot of the younger guys is, he said, you know, a lot of these guys talk about, it was my dream to play in the NFL. Well, you're still here. You're playing in the NFL. Sure, you're maybe you're not playing for a playoff spot, but a lot of these young guys are playing for spots ne on next year's roster, right? Um, you know, trying to get a head start before, training camp next year when they bring in a new group of young guys to take your spot. Um, so, you know, I think that there is still a lot, you know, we talked about it, Nick, the other day, you're playing for your next contract, right? 
Um, that's one thing in the NFL that's different than college, right? Is is you've got uh, you know a, a new contract that you're trying to get to. Uh, you, maybe you're trying to fight for a starting spot like Damari Mathis, right? Like I think he's a guy that could really compete for a starting spot next year. Uh, Luke Wattenberg, like you said, he's got to get better. So I, I think that um, there's a lot to play for, right? Maybe it doesn't show up in um, you know the win and loss column. Um, and maybe it doesn't mean a whole lot 10 years from now in terms of what it shows up in the stat sheet. But uh, I do think that there is, there's quite a bit to play for in these final four games. Yeah, there's, there's definitely quite a bit to uh, play for, especially if you are one of these guys who haven't been active all year long. And this is an opportunity for the Broncos to look at their practice squad and elevate uh, a couple of guys who haven't been active all season. And, and for me, it's like, why go out and add a guy to the practice squad and never elevate him to play? Now, once again, things would be totally different, George, if the Broncos were in pursuit of a playoff position. Now you have to go and roll with your guys who you have a lot of confidence and faith in, and they've already proven that. But right now, this is an opportunity to, you know, be a little experimental, even from an, uh, an offensive coordinator standpoint with Clint Kubiak. For Clint, he should look at this offense and say, well, let me try a couple of things that I would normally try. And, and I know you, you still want to go out there and try to win the game. And I'm not saying that you're losing the game by going to uh, the, these steps. But once again, try a couple of things and see if they may work. So when you go into 2023, you have an idea of what you can do, what you can do, who you have and who you don't have. So once again, this is an excellent opportunity for all involved, and for Clint Kubiak. So let's just say if there is a coaching change. Now, another team can look at it and say, well, you were decimated by injuries. You did not have a great offensive line or wide receivers, but you were still able to go out with a backup quarterback. And even though you didn't win, you were able to put points on the board. So this is an opportunity for Clint Kubiak as well. Yep, it's definitely definitely is, Nick, and it's going to be interesting. I think this week's game is very winnable. Uh, I think next week's game against the Rams is also very winnable. Then you've got two division games with the Chiefs and the Chargers. And if you could steal one of those, that'd be great, right? You finish out the season uh, with three three wins in your last four games. Probably not going to happen. I wouldn't bet on it um, with this team, with this Broncos team. But I do think these are winnable games. This week, Nick, what's, what's a key matchup you're looking at? And then uh, we need to get into some predi- predictions here before we get out of here. Well, I would love to say a key match I'm looking at is uh, the offensive line, but I'm not going to go there because we know what that might look like. But I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about Damari Mathis earlier in the program. So I'm looking at how Damari Mathis and PS2 are going to match up with New Hopkins and Hollywood Brown. Uh, All year long, we've seen PS2 challenge and face some top receivers in this league. Uh, I mean, Devontae Adams is a hell of a wide receiver, but he's not like New Hopkins. Hopkins comes with that attitude. He uh, is a great route runner. He knows how to use his body well in space. And even when he was in, he's in phase. And, you know, we know how large his hands are. So he can go up and snatch the ball out of the air. So that's the matchup I'm going to be looking forward to seeing uh, this weekend. Yeah, there, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at too, Nick, is, is those receivers for the Cardinals. They've got some talent there. Um, you mentioned earlier Hollywood Brown, obviously Hopkins. Um, those are some guys that are really going to test those corners. Uh, Pat Sertan, you know, yesterday talked about looking forward to playing a guy like Hopkins. Obviously, he's he's gotten to play some really talented wide receivers this year. So watching those guys go at it, it's going to be fun. I, again, I know the teams uh, and the records aren't great, 
uh, and there probably won't be a ton of people tuning into this game, but I do think we could see some big highlight plays from those guys. I also think Jerry Judy could have a big day against the secondary. That's the other group I'm looking at is can Jerry Judy kind of replicate uh, maybe not three touchdowns, right? That was obviously um, abnormal probably to have three touchdowns in a game, but I do think it's it's another game where he could get a ton of targets. One, because he's like their only guy at wide receiver, but two, because this is a Cardinal secondary that's shown that uh, they can give up some big plays. So I wonder if Jerry can have another big game. So, uh, and if I remember correctly, didn't Jerry have a big game against the Jets uh, with Rippon? Is that right? His first year that Rippon threw him his first touchdown on Thursday night football. And I think he, I want to say he also, uh, I want to say he also had a good game this year against the Jets. Hold on. I'm looking at the stats here, Nick. Uh, where is he? Jerry Judy. He had a couple of catches in that game for sure. Seven, seven receptions, 96 yards. So uh, he did have a big game. So maybe it's, maybe it's the Brett Rippon connection. I don't know, Nick, but uh, what's your prediction for, for this game on Sunday? Man, I'm going to have to uh, – my heart is saying go with the Broncos, but because you have an experienced quarterback and you're looking at the fact that, hey, you know, the Cardinals do a great job of shutting down the run and they're not great against the pass, I'm going to lean heavily towards, uh, you know, the Cardinals in this one. Hopefully the Broncos can pull it out. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. So I got the score like 17-14. Yeah, I've also got the Cardinals, mostly because I've told myself I can no longer pick the Broncos the rest of the year. Why did, um, why did you tell yourself that? <laughs> because they can't win. They can't win. Um, you know, I, I can't pick a team that just can't figure out how to win these close games, you know. And and I think that this is going to be another close game. And I also side with, you know, they do have the more experienced quarterback. It may be Colt McCoy, and he's been, a, you know, a backup his entire career. But I, I give him the edge in that sense. And. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a tough task for him going up against this Broncos defense, but I do think he somehow gets the job done. Uh, I think you're right. Somewhere 17, 14, 2017, somewhere in there is probably the score, maybe, maybe less than 2017. But uh, I, I do think that it, it's a close game, but I think Colt McCoy and the, uh, the uh, Cardinals pull it out at the end. So we'll see. We'll see, Nick. I, I don't know. Again, battle of the backups, probably we'll see. Maybe Russell Wilson plays. I no. I don't think he no. will, no um, but I could be wrong. Um, I was wrong earlier this year. I thought he was going to play against the Jets, and he didn't. So maybe I'll be wrong again this time. And, I again, I wouldn't put him out there, but we'll see, Nick. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you guys share it. Uh, and thanks again for another good week, uh, Nick. And we will see you guys again uh, Sunday or Monday, whenever, after the uh, Broncos-Cardinals game.